0: Well hello. I'm so glad you could be with me today in our unfolding the word ministry. We're in the midst of an extended study verse by verse through the first epistle of John. We're now in the fifth chapter, pressing on toward the end of that chapter actually. Yesterday we began to look at verses sixteen and seventeen. Let me read them again today as we continue to look at what I have for many people are very confusing verses in the scriptures. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. I'm taking some time with you to unfold these verses, simply because for so many people, they're very confusing. And I want to make it clear to you the context into which these verses fit, so that you can understand why God gave those verses to us in the fifth chapter of First John. The context of these verses is the issue of God's discipline in the life of his children. As we saw yesterday, and as Hebrews chapter 12 expands much for us, as the adopted children of God, a blessing to us that came as a result of our repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, is an outcome of our salvation. We've been adopted into the very family of God, and the Heavenly Father is now truly our Heavenly Father. And as our Heavenly Father... God takes his role seriously in raising us and providing for us as his children. Certainly he loves us. In fact, as Hebrews 12 told us, the discipline of the Lord in our lives is an expression of his love. Certainly he provides for us. Certainly he protects us. And in the preceding verses actually we're learned about God's great promise to us about answers of prayer and that we can as his children boldly come into his presence and have confidence that God will always be answering our prayers in accordance with his perfect will. One of the things that God does because he is our father now because he loves us is that he disciplines us or trains us up as his children. It's part of seeing God as he was revealed himself to be in the scriptures. I don't think we would have assumed he would act these ways unless God revealed that to us. That's part of the reason we study the Word of God, to get to know him better in his self-revelation to us in the scriptures. Yesterday, we also saw that God's purpose in the child training, in the discipline in our life, is to help us grow in our faith. He doesn't discipline us in order to make us pay for wrongdoing. He doesn't discipline us in order to foster penance in our lives. No, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sin. You see, sin's already been atoned for. There's nothing we can add to pay for sin in stumbling in our lives. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness 1 John 1, 9 told us, because of what Christ has done for us. No, God's discipline in our life is to bring us to our senses, to get us so we are now where we belong instead of drifting in a direction God does not want us to go. Now, today, I want to build on that because I want to talk about some of the ways in which his disciplining hand, his child training hand, work out in our lives when we have stumbled into sin. It begins, the disciplining hand of God, the child training hand of God begins, when we have stumbled into sin and are not dealing with it properly. Remember, 1 John 1, 9 is the proper way. We recognize it, we humbly confess it to the Lord, we find forgiveness. But when we're not doing that, One of the things that God begins to do, the first step, I guess you could say that, in his child training, disciplining of our life, is to convict us of sin. In Psalm 32, for example, verses 3 to 5, let me read these verses to you. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I'll confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of that sin. First John one nine. we confess our sins. <laughs> Here's the point. No one likes the feeling of guilt. Guilt is there in God's plan to move us to confess our sin, to acknowledge it, to turn from it sin work in our life is stopped when we confess it and acknowledge it before God. And so guilt is an important process in God's hand. And guilt is where discipline begins. God's purpose of guilt is to bring us to our senses. The longer we go without dealing with what caused the guilt, our sin, the more guilty we feel. But you know, one of the truths about humanity is that we can feel guilty for quite a while without dealing with it properly. And so when we resist this initial form of child training, of discipline from God, then God moves to yet more intense forms of training, of discipline. When we resist conviction of sin, God moves into a deeper morass of problems from the guilt. Think of how Psalm 38 puts it in verses 4 and 6. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden or too heavy for me. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day I go about mourning. When we resist guilt, the conviction of sin... Over time, God allows that to deepen into us with a depression, with a deep sadness over that unresolved guilt. Our life gets heavy. Our life gets mourning, as the scripture puts it here. (laughs) The life and the issues of our life start to get too heavy. When we don't deal with sin properly. Now we're talking about redeemed children of God. When we don't deal with our sin properly when we resist confessing and turning from it, our life increasingly comes under the disciplining hand of God. Our life no longer shows the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Our life no longer seems full and abundant, as God's great promise to us in John 10.10 was, I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Our life simply begins increasingly to move into a sad mode. That's God's disciplinary hand in the life of his child, moving from conviction of sin and guilt into an increasingly sad, mourning, oppressed kind of environment. But you know, even as discipline moves to that point, children of God can continue to resist what God is doing as he's disciplining in their life. And then God moves even further. In Psalm 38, for example, we read in verse 3 and 7, There's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation, no health in my bones because of my sin. For my sides are filled with burning, there's no soundness in my flesh. God, at times, to get our attention, if we're resisting his disciplinary hand, will even bring physical problems and physical illness into our lives. First Corinthians chapter 11 and talking about people who were not handling sin properly, getting together and not handling even the sharing together in the Lord's Supper properly. God says in verse 30, that's why many of you are weak and ill (laughs) and some have died. God's hand in their lives can even take on that sort of very severe disciplinary response. God's discipline in the life of his child is progressive in nature. It gradually gets more and more severe to get the attention of the rebel. Much like this classic story of how do you get the attention of a stubborn mule with a two-by-four. You've got to do something to get them to listen to you. Now, why is God's hand progressive in that way? Why does his discipline get progressive? And Hebrews 3.13 makes it plain to us why. He says, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When we don't deal with sin properly, we get spiritually calloused, hard, and then self-deceived about our condition. And God's discipline is to break through that and to prevent the ever deepening hardness of and the deepening self-deception of our lives we will continue to be hurt by sin when we don't deal with sin properly and proper dealing with sin is to forsake it to confess it and move on in righteousness and god will do what's necessary to bring us to our senses so that we will handle the situation properly before him that's why it's a sign of his great love for us well Those are foundational truths going on here in these verses. There's more to say about these verses. Join me tomorrow as we continue our study of these somewhat puzzling verses for people, verses 16 and 17 in the fifth chapter.